Morning Liberty. Whoa, that's so intense. Whoa, man. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Whoa. Oh, wow. Look at that. It's starting to even look like a triple rainbow. Oh my God, it's full on. Double rainbow all the way across the sky. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> that's awesome man that's so good i love that so much so uh <laughs> the, like he's so enthusiastic he I starts know. weeping he's crying he's, he's literally crying he's crying about <laughs> and we know this video is old by the way we've seen this a long time ago saw yeah. this a long time ago it, for sure it's double rainbow i know he's still going though yeah he's it's so crying about a rainbow oh man <laughs> just he's so entranced by the way i think good morning america interviewed this guy he said he wasn't on drugs really yeah i don't see any possible way that that guy wasn't on drugs it's got to be like some type of shrooms or something i mean he's living his best life and i remember seeing that like when we were traveling playing music uh we used to watch that like all the time. Double rainbows? Yeah. No, not the actual double rainbows. Oh, the video. But yeah. Gotcha. The video itself. Yeah. So that was. You know, he asked a very deep philosophical question there, though. Yeah. What does this mean? Yeah. What does this mean? What does this mean? So. <laughs> I was thinking, though, like if we could all be enthusiastic about life like that, like what would the world look like? If you just had an appreciation for. This reminds me of. My son, who's two and a half, never seen a rainbow. And the other day it rained and there was sun. And so there was, there was a rainbow. It was almost a double rainbow actually. And it was full the way across the sky. All the way? Yes. And I went out and showed him and he was just like in awe. Yeah. You know? Well, they are really, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah. For sure. It's a phenomenon. Like. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. That's what it means. I don't know what it means. It's too much. <laughs> oh my god! It's so intense. <laughs> Man, yeah. So I remember seeing that for the first time. Like it had to be ten years ago. I don't know how old this video is. Uh, let's see, 2010. They, so it's nine years old. They even made a, a song out. Yeah, the song's yeah. on there too. We just want to try to start the podcast out with something nice and fun right. and happy. And laughter. Yeah. It's always good to laugh. You need to laugh. Because the world is so doom and gloom if you watch the news. And, and what we're about to do, which is go through, uh, 
I know that this took place a few weeks ago, but we're going to go through Bernie Sanders and his town hall debate with Fox News. The uh, a good bit of it, anyway, uh, because the the Democratic debates are coming up. They're, yeah, they they're, are. They're coming up. I think first one is tonight. Tonight they had to break it into two pieces because there's so many of them, and uh, we just we figured it would be important to go ahead and get your I don't know. Let's get some facts straight. Got to do it. By the way, you want to stay tuned to Good Morning Liberty's coverage of all these debates. It's gonna be it's gonna be intense. Yeah, we like are a gonna double rainbow. It is. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and go straight into the debate. I think it's already, they've gotten past all the fluffer pieces here. So we're going to go straight to the first audience member question, which is a, a she describes socialism. And, and well, well, before you press play, though, yeah. what I want to say is if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, we took apart AOC's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her interview on 60 Minutes. Yeah. So we took apart like that uh, insanity and the other... Um, insane democratic socialist who kind of started this whole movement is BS. And uh, Bernie, let's see what he has. BernieLies.com. See what we have. So our, our question comes from Kathy Harrington. Kathy, what's your question Hi. for Senator Sanders? Hi, Senator Sanders. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley. So my question is, the definition of socialism is just a society agreeing to work together and combining their resources to make sure everyone is protected and taken care of. How can you challenge... <laughs> Hold what? on. Hold what? on. Hold on a second. She gets up at a debate and she's reading off of a piece of paper right here, just so you know. And so she, she's thought about this. So she has thought about this beforehand. And she clearly says... Uh, the definition of socialism is just a society that agrees to work together. She she must have went to Lehigh Valley Public High School. <laughs> I, I guess so. Because first off, that's that's not the definition of socialism. The, the definition of socialism would be uh, where the the economic the means of production are are owned by the state by the by the state. And uh, a lot of times they'll also talk about the the workers owning the means of production. Um, there's nothing that says in an actual definition that it is just a system where everyone agrees to work together. Is that what's happening here? I, okay. I kind of understand where she's coming from, even though she's still wrong, but like, I would say socialism part, part of its essence is like, you could think of a, a commune where everybody works and they pool all the spoils together let's say and then they try to equally divide it yeah so i mean th i think that's what she's trying to say even though that's not the real definition of socialism because the definition of socialism as you said the means of con of production are owned and dictated by fiat by the state well and the other thing that i don't like about what she said is the first thing is that it's a uh, it's where the society agrees to work together yeah the, no Nothing about socialism I don't, has ever been agreed upon. I don't agree. I don't agree for my money to be taken. Do you agree for your money to be taken and given to other people? Well, that's why we need democratic socialism, Nate, okay. because if 51% agree, then everyone agrees. Then everything's fine. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> then everyone agrees. Right. Absolutely. Let's see what, uh, what we have to say about this. He does a whole lot of skirting around the questions. As he always does. Yes. Uh, so we'll uh, with his millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> we'll see, see his his uh, his answer here is is pretty uh, pretty funny. All right. So. All right. You ask me fair questions, I will give you fair answers. Thank you, sir. That's a deal. And you know, 
Not everybody thought that I should come on this show. And we appreciate it. All right. Your network does well, hang on real quick. Stop that. Yeah. He's doing thing. something psychologically there. Well, yeah. Yeah. He's he's starting off with like a a we're on a, the same team. Like you're going to ask fair questions. I'll give you fair answers. Uh, this news network is hostile towards me and I still chose to came on to come on and do this interview ish type thing and be asked hard questions, let's say, because Fox News kind of tailors towards the right, you could say, more conservative, where he's completely not conservative. So it's very good psychological tactics by Bernie Sanders there to to say, hey, you guys are kind of enemies, but I'm vulnerable. I'm yeah. putting myself out there. So have a little pity while I answer this. deal of respect in my world, but I thought it was important for me to be here and have a serious discussion about serious issues. Sally asked a good question. Thanks for that question, Sally. And let's let's talk about it. And I think it's an important issue, but it will come up. What is democratic socialism? Fair question? Okay. So let's talk about it. Democratic socialism, to me, is creating a government and an economy and a society which works for all rather than just the top 1%. It means ending the absurd inequalities that exist today. And I want to lay this out because you're not going to hear this much on Fox and you're not going to hear this much in the media in general. And the American people have got to conclude whether we think it is appropriate and what America is about to have three families owning more wealth than the bottom half of the American society, 160 million people. Whether it's appropriate for the top 1% to own more wealth than the bottom 92%. Whether it is right that 49% of all new income goes to the top 1% when many people, Brett and Martha, who are watching this program, are working two or three jobs just to pay the bills. Now, right here, so, I'm going to stop this real quick. He's done nothing to uh, answer the question at all. No. All he's done so far is create an emotional argument for you because now you're going to have to view the rest of his responses through the lens of all of these things that he just said. Right. And he's so, just re- he's reiterating his talking points that he's had the whole time. Yeah. Like, good emotional talking points and that's what gets people caught up well now because if you're against this then you're for that right is what you're saying you're you're for all of that wealth being owned by and i hate i hate that hate's a strong word but it's true the wealth being owned by people this uh implies which is something i think maybe maybe a, a lot of socialists actually think it implies that there's a fixed amount Right. And that the one percent own it, so you can't get to it. Right, and that is that's definitely not the case whatsoever. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the case when uh, Bill Gates was the richest person in the world. It was not the case that Jeff Bezos would not be able to exist someday. It wasn't the case yesterday when over two thousand new people became millionaires for the first time. Not not at all, because new wealth is created all the time. We are not working from the same amount of money that we worked from a hundred years ago. There's new money with value created all the time. And then there's new money without value via government printing of money that's created all the time. Also think about this right now, as we're recording this, there's probably over 500 new millionaires right now during this episode. Yeah. 
new people will become millionaires. Yeah. I don't know how they got it. They must have robbed the 1%. I guess so. They, <laughs> they, yeah, I don't know how they took it from them. That's the only way they would have gotten it is if they took it from the 1%, right? Exactly. That's the only way because there's only a fixed amount. But there's not like capitalism creates wealth. That's what's so beautiful about capitalism. Like it has its faults, but it's the only system that creates wealth. And by the way, another thing I want to say is, so whatever, the top 90% of new money goes to the top 1% or, or anything like that. If you look across human history, you look across any spectrum where you measure any type of success, whether it's athletes, people who own money, uh, people who are the best at certain things like authors, people who write books or whatever, it, there's a 1% in every single category. And that's a natural law by the way, or not, it's really a theory. It's not a law yeah. yet, but it's it the, seems it's the to math, be a law. The Matthew principle in economics is what they talk about. It's also the Pareto distribution mm -hmm. that Pareto came up with that things seem to tilt towards the top because obviously what happens is the more successful you become, the more opportunities that gravitate towards you. So you have the, the opportunity, you have more opportunities because of where, what position you're in now, it doesn't mean that you can't climb the ladder. Like you can seek out other opportunities if you're lower on the rung. And, and we've talked about this, the government makes it harder to climb that ladder, but it's still there and you still have those opportunities. So it's not a, this isn't a fault of capitalism, any society across history, socialism, communism, feudalism, any society we've ever had, there's always a 1%. It's just, Capitalism gives the opportunity for anybody to make it to the 1%. It's not by, it's not by bloodline like feudalism. It's not by uh, class separation like bourgeoisie and proletariat. It's not by, uh, you know, tyrannical ethnical or tyrannical um, ethnicity, you know, like the Nazis or whatever. It's not determined by any of that. It's determined by the free choices of people. You have people from all backgrounds, races, whatever genders, it doesn't matter. They can reach the top. And you, you've seen that thrive in capitalism. America's built on the feel good story of rags to riches. Yeah. The, the only time in history that's ever happened. Well, uh, according to Bernie Sanders, you don't have the chance to do that though, because of our system that we have set up right now. So let's, uh, let's see what Which else he's got. <laughs> just appalling. Yeah. First of all, we want to create a government that works for all of us. And we want to create a political system which is based on one person, one vote, not billionaires buying elections as a result of this disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision. Now, the Citizens United thing gets brought up a lot. And the, the short version of that is that um, basically corporations are treated as people. And whenever you give, uh, whenever you give to a political campaign, um, it is as as if a private person is making a donation to a political campaign that does not have to be disclosed uh, by the corporation, uh, doesn't really have to be disclosed by anyone, you are a private citizen making that donation. And so the argument made by a lot of people, now this is Republicans, Democrats, and socialists and libertarians would still make this argument, is that that was a terrible Supreme Court decision, that we should know this. And, and my response to that, first off, as someone who has uh two in two corporations um and you're charlie you're incorporated right mm -hmm. yeah so are you still a person yeah last time i checked okay yeah 
what makes up a corporation? Hmm. People. Okay. Okay. I yeah. know. I know. People. People. I'll yeah. take people for yeah. common sense, please. <laughs> All right. So, or, or person. Yeah. Or persons. <laughs> the same thing. Um. The uh, so there's number one and number two. Okay. So you make it to where they have to disclose things. You're. Are you telling me that there's no way that anyone's going to be able to come up with a way to hide money going back and forth between different donors? You're telling me that that's not possible. Yeah, you can't just like give it to somebody else to give to somebody else yeah. to give to where you want it to go. That these people with billions of dollars and all the resources in the world will somehow be affected by some law that says that you have to disclose your campaign donations and who they came from. Right. Like that's going to stop it. The other thing to think about, if you follow this logically, what is money anyway? It's a representation of basically the value of your time traded. So it's a representation of you in essence, like your money is a representation of time that you traded usually for labor or other types of services. And so if you talk about freedom of speech, and this is what the Supreme Court rules is that this is a freedom of speech issue that I'm represented by the value that I provided someone else or to society. And they in turn uh, represented that value that I provided to them in dollars. And so then I can use those dollars as speech. And that's absolutely logic, like logically true that giving money or donating or buying things for other people, whatever that is, that's a freedom of association, a freedom of speech issue. And I think the Supreme court was right in that no matter how many people like it, it's not like we talked yesterday. It's not the fact that corporations have money and they can buy power. That's the fact that they can buy power. Yeah. That the power exists to be bought. That's the problem. The they prob- probably do buy money. I don't know. They probably do buy money. But <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the issue is that there is the power there for them to buy, to making overturning Citizens United where people have to disclose their donations or corporations have to disclose who they're donating to. It, it, it will make no difference to, to anyone. The, the only thing that would stop this is if you took away the power that those corporations are buying. And that's it because they will always find a way to do it. In, in some way, they will find a way to do it. So the only thing you can do is take away the reason that they're doing it. And that's because the government has the power over everything, over every single transaction that you make every single day goes through some sort of government regulation. So that is why people at the top are going to try and buy that power. Are these people at the tippy top? The tippy top, yeah. That's where well, they are. Well, in AOC's best words, I think some people are missing the forest for the trees. Yep. That's when it is. <laughs> And furthermore, furthermore, when I talk, and you know, people have different views of capitalism or democratic socialism, whatever it may be, but this is my view. I believe that human beings, especially in a wealthy, democratic, civilized society like our own, are entitled to certain basic rights. So let me be very clear, and I'm sure we'll discuss it later in the show, Brett. Oh, I wait. believe that healthcare it's- is a human right, not a privilege. I was going to interject and be like, oh, he must be talking about the Declaration of Independence. I guess so. No, no. He's talking about rights that other people have to provide to you. Oh. Yeah. Not not natural rights. The last time I read the Declaration of Independence, that we're guaranteed certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and health care. 
Yeah. That must have been what they meant. Well, it says that you have the right to make someone else perform a service for you. That's what it says. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, some of the founders of the country did believe that. So I guess it is in there. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And I believe, I believe that there is something embarrassingly wrong when the United States of America is the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to all people. I live 50 we're, miles from the Canadian border. We're going to get in okay. detail about Medicare. Right. And so health care is right. I believe that education, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, you have the right to get all of the education you need. And that is why I believe we should make public colleges and universities tuition free. Okay, so I had this conversation a little bit yesterday. Someone went... Someone was uh, going back and forth on our Instagram. If you want to hang out on Instagram, we're probably on there more than anywhere else. So uh, get on there. That's Good Morning Liberty on Instagram is is what you would find. Uh, So they made the argument because I was talking about the ridiculousness of uh, offering free college. And their response was, you know, at one point in time, people made the same argument about K through eighth grade. And I was like, Okay, is is that your point? Because we spend the second most per student out of every single country in the world, and we're ranked like twenty seventh in everything. Yeah. So, so your point right now is that we need to do what we did with public education, which was destroy it with the federal government, which was uh, make it to where there was no competition anymore, which is happening right now already because there's just free loans available for anyone to go there. So there's really no competition anymore. There's no reason to do a good job because everyone's going to go there. Uh, But then you're just going to make it all free, just like your public education is. Completely remove the competition part of the market out, and you'll dumb down our our, uh, college education just like we did our public education with K through 12. It's It's getting close to being dumbed down anyway. Yeah. Because like everyone has a piece of paper from college now. Yeah, who cares if you have even, a degree? It Everyone set has you that. apart anymore. That's what a degree is supposed to do. It's supposed right. to set you apart from people. Well, probably supposed to train you specifically in a field is what the uh, college degree was supposed to do. Right. But a degree now is is as worthless as a high school diploma. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. <clears throat> We're going to talk about all of this, and we're going to try to talk about how you pay for it, which is a real question. Absolutely. But I just want to back on the the taxes briefly. You know, when you wrote wrote the book and you made the money, isn't that the definition of capitalism, the American dream? No. (laughs) I mean, you know, what we want is a country where everybody has opportunity. You know, I have a college degree. I'm a United States senator. But a lot of people don't have a college degree. A lot of people are not United States senators. I want everybody in this country. Now, last I checked, I've, I got to tell you, I have never read a book without checking the author's college degree first. Yeah, that's never. the first thing I look for. <laughs> never done it. Yeah. I've never written, I've never, <laughs> I've never read a single novel whatsoever without making sure that the author had a degree from yes, college. I know. At all, or that they were a United States senator. It has to be a specific college, too, because, you know, like, I'm not reading anybody who's got a degree from Alabama. No. Yeah. No way. Right. Because they, they win too many football games. I don't like them. Right. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. To be able to have health care, to have education, to when they turn on the water, have dr- drinkable water, not toxic water. So what we are fighting. Okay. <laughs> 
he's okay it's it's too easy to stop every like three words this right. guy says right he's making a point now about having drinkable water not toxic water it, which is a it's the pointing to the government in Flint, Michigan, that did a terrible job managing the money that they were taking in and taking care of their water system. That they didn't improve 50-year-old yeah. lead pipes. Just like Venezuela never improved any of their oil refineries, any of their oil tankers. They never kept up. They never reinvested into their businesses because they were just giving away all the money that came in from it. Yeah. And now you got Flint, Michigan, who never invested back into their infrastructure at all which is something a business does because they want to maintain a profit and keep going for a long time. But when you are in a system where you can take money from people without their permission, you have no incentive to do that. I love how he points to the government failure and says, this is what we should strive for. Yeah. <laughs> More government failures. That's what that's, that's the American dream. It's not capitalism. No, it's not writing a book and making a few million. That's not the American dream. no, it's government failure for but it is a society not where just a few people can make a whole lot of money but a society where everybody in this country has the opportunity to live in security uh, and dignity all right so uh this weekend i'm going to talk a little bit about the field of democratic candidates who are out there this weekend people now he's still as, as we're talking about this i mean he hasn't really answered any questions all he does is sit there and make emotional pleas constantly all he does is try to say things that will get you going. Okay. So, all right, Senator, we want to get back to audience questions. I, I do want to say that we understand and we're very grateful that you're here. We are giving you an hour of substance and talk on our airwaves so we can get over the Fox thing. If, if, if you're all right with that. <laughs> That's okay. pretty good. Yeah. Ryan is a city councilman here in Bethlehem. Just straight Ryan, called him out. <laughs> well, you know what? Among other things, if you work 40 hours a week, People don't want to live in poverty. We've got to raise that minimum wage to a living wage. I love to talk about a, a living wage. Like, What is a living like, wage? Yeah. Like if you just magically get paid $15 an hour, then all your problems are solved. That's, that's, the issue. that's still the issue right now with the minimum wage uh, was a, li a living wage that people were, were uh, praising at one point in time. Right. Uh, the problem is people become complacent and they never uh, try to strive for more and eventually your $15 an hour is not enough for you anymore. Was this one of FDR's radical, like uh, radical no, ideas? Well, uh, it might have been. I think or it Woodrow, was 19... Woodrow Wilson? That was later than Wilson. It was 1937, I think, was the minimum wage. So that would have been right around yeah. FDR. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, that would have been FDR. Yes. For sure. So, so his radical... You know, his radical ideas. Yeah, and it was 25 cents an hour at that time. So yeah. um, if I've said this in a bunch of stuff before, but if if raising the minimum wage were the solution to the problem, then it would have been solved already. Right. Because it's been raised a whole bunch of times. The problem is not that the minimum wage is not getting raised enough because it's been raised like a hundred times. That cannot be the problem because it's already been done a lot, a yes. whole lot. Yes, it's just a feel-good talking point. Yeah. So, so in essence, like, okay, okay, what is a living wage? What is poverty? Those are like very serious questions that we could take a lot of time taking apart. I've seen some poverty before. Because, right, right. It was so, in Africa. Like the UN standard worldwide is less than $1.90 a day. Yeah. The U.S. standard worldwide is a cell phone older than three years. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh, I don't have a new car 
and I can't load Facebook as fast as I want to on my magic computer still. Yeah. Like that's poverty. You can somehow. afford McDonald's instead of Chick-fil-A every right. day. That's a problem. For and sure. So th- those standards are like important to, cause it's poverty relative to what? Like we're the richest people ever in human history. Like there's an amazing book called progress by Johan Nor- Norberg. It's unbelievable. I mean, a hundred years ago, almost everybody was poor, like real poor. Like you had to work in the field. Your whole family worked in the field. You died when you were 50. Yeah. Like, like the, the place that we live in today is unbelievable compared to human history ever, Well, ever. What bothers me about it is the, the basic idea that you should be able to work $40 an hour and afford everything. Well, I mean, what is working anyway? Like you're, you're, you're you going out 40 hours a week for, is that what I, did I say? $40, 40, an hour? $40 an hour. Yeah. Well, well that maybe we should raise it to that. Why wouldn't we? Yeah. Huh? And then it all like everybody's problems will be solved always. Now, now that's your, people would cry like, I guess, straw man on that most, most of the time. But the reason that we couldn't raise it to $40 an hour is because clearly businesses would not be able to afford that. And if you can say clearly they would not be able to afford that, then you can also say there is a number that they would not be able to afford. So then you could go and look at that number. Right. And that is different for every business. That's the problem. They don't all work on the same profit margin. Well, not only that, but there's only so much value that a person can provide per hour. And depending on what your return is on what that value that person provides is how you determine how much you can pay someone. Yeah. It has to be less than the value that you're, that you're getting from them or you wouldn't give them the job. Exactly. And you're taking all the risk as the owner. We've talked about that. Like you talked about it yesterday, all of the risk because if the company goes under, guess who goes under you. I mean, your workers are, will be out of a job, but they got a guaranteed check. Yeah. When I was flipping houses, I was paying people 20 bucks an hour and they were getting paid every day or every week or every couple weeks. And I would have to wait months before I got paid. And sometimes and, you only made like $7 yeah, an hour. Sometimes I would make, yeah, actually for uh, the two and a half years I ended up uh, working on houses, I, I made around $7 an hour yeah. the, the whole time while my workers were making 20. Wow. They never cared to stick around and see if the business was going to go under or not. Right. They all took their guaranteed payment and went home. Right. So that that's that's something that And you had to invest in the realize. vehicle, all the tools. Yeah. All of that. You they all got stolen, the so then they had to reinvest in the tools again. Yeah. Yeah. It it um so the idea that you should be able to work 40 hours uh, making even $15 an hour and 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 be able to pay for everything, you're forgetting what working is, which is you going out and providing value to society. And there's no law that states that a human being magically provides enough value to society in 40 hours that they should be able to have every single thing that they want. And then here's, there's no law saying that. And here's the other question. What would be the point for anybody to take any risk and build like cool things or businesses or anything like that? Of like, if you can just go, work your 40 hours and have a living wage. Like you could live comfortably on your 40 hours. What would be the purpose of innovating, creating new products, new services, creating things like Uber or cell phones? Like what would be the point? You just go to your job, this magic job that's there, Yep. whatever. And you work your 40 hours and that's it. There's no reason. Why, why are people working 80, a hundred hours, like killing themselves? I don't know. Writing articles at night. I'm not and, sure. Yeah. For what's the purpose of that? And why did you learn how to code computer software? You well, know? 
Well, obviously, because I I just wanted to work 40 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, you could have just worked anywhere and made made that, I know. right? I know. I don't know why you went why you went for the bigger thing. The point is, you never incentivize anyone to move up when you create Ever. an entire society that can live comfortably on the lowest amount that a person can make. You never incentivize people to try to move up, which is a bad direction for society because if you're not moving up, you're moving down because the world's always moving and if you're standing still, then you're going backwards. You're losing. Yeah. You've already lost. <laughs> Great point. In my state of Vermont and all over this country, we've got an infrastructure that is falling about roads and bridges and water systems, wastewater. But we can put 15 million people back to work with a trillion dollar investment. Think that makes sense to people? Pause this real quick. (laughs) Because I I love Milton Friedman when he talks about jobs programs. Yeah. Well, first of all, he's mentioning more government failures, by the way. Yeah. Like water system, bridges, roads, all controlled by government. See, we've been running this stuff since the country was formed and it's all falling apart and terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so more government failures, just to mention those. But then also Milton Friedman made a really good point about a jobs program because I think he was in Japan or something like mm-hmm. that. And they were saying, Oh, look at all these, you know, people with shovels, they're digging ditches and they're all getting, they're all making money. And he said, well, if it's a jobs program, why, why did you give them shovels? Like, why don't they just have spoons yeah, so they can be out here longer? He mentioned to the guy like, why, why don't you have, you know, like a, I'm track hose and, and bulldozers. Oh yeah, and things that's right. Out he here. asked him why, yeah. And uh, why they were just using shovels. And he said, well, it's a jobs program. We don't really want to get it done. Right. Just give them spoons. Yeah. Just, <laughs> why not? You'll keep them in business for a lot longer. They can dig with their hands. It'd take longer. <laughs> okay. Let's go to another question. Jordan is a student from Scotch Plains. Uh, he has the next question. Hi, Senator. Thank you so much for being here. My question is, why do you believe that the government can provide better health care than the private sector? And why should people who like their plans be forced to switch? Okay. Um, Great question. Pretty good question. First of all, let's be clear what we mean by Medicare for all. Okay. Medicare is a government-run program for seniors, which is widely popular and quite effective. Uh, In 1965, when Lyndon Johnson passed that bill, it was called by some Republicans, (laughs) socialism and everything else. But you go to the average senior and you say, how do you feel about Medicare? And they will tell you that they will oppose any Republican effort to cut Medicare. And by the way, in Trump's budget, he has proposed an $845 billion cut over a 10-year period to Medicare, which seniors don't want. So to answer your question, we are not talking about government-run healthcare. The Veterans Administration, and most veterans think that that's a pretty good... Do you ever wonder why they give all the estimations in 10-year periods? Because it makes it sound bigger. Because it sounds way bigger. Right. So much bigger. Because if you say he's proposed an $845 billion cut to Medicare over the next 10 years, and then you hear this, all you heard was $845 right. billion. That's it. That's, that's almost a trillion dollars cut if and he we, said one trillion it wouldn't be the same it's 845 like 845 billion people can comprehend that yeah but then you you think about it for a minute and you're like okay well that's only 84 and a half billion dollars a year it's not even that and i guarantee you they're not actual cuts they're probably cuts and in projected increases exactly so that's the that uh, by probably i mean um that they are it's the most kind of probably that there is uh, that, because anytime you hear a government cutting money 
it's not an actual decrease in the budget. It's a decrease in the projected increase that the, was going to happen. The scheduled increase. Just like the sequester on the military. Sorry, that was a lot of reduction in projected increases. That's 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 how they do it. It's called baseline budgeting. Uh, so they always talk about this little baseline increase that they have. And if you were going to increase your budget by $100 billion next year, and instead you decide to increase it by $50 billion, uh, then someone like Bernie Sanders can come out and say they cut Medicare spending by 50%, <laughs> even though the budget still went up yes. by $50 They're billion. still spending more. Yeah. That's like getting something on sale. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Healthcare system. Talk to the American Legion and the VFW. They strongly defend the uh, veterans uh, health care. Pause that real no, quick. Because no one we are talking no, the veterans health care. VA health care is absolute garbage. <laughs> and they 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 have more malpractice. We talked about this on another episode. They have so much malpractice, but you can't even sue them. Yeah. It's a federal law. Like if you're a, a, a veteran or you serve in the military, when you sign that contract, you can't sue your doctors who screw up. We had the VA scandal under Obama, the scandalous presidency, scandal-less presidency, yeah. as they like to to say that he is. But we had the VA scandal where they literally just had veterans dying on waiting lists that weren't getting brought in for the medical care that they clearly needed. Uh, by the way, that is a social Medicare program, the, the <laughs> medical things that they are promising to people and then they are dying waiting in line that doesn't sound too familiar does it my grandmother died in a va hospital yeah because the doctor screwed up yeah they screwed up did and you sue them the, you can't yeah you can't it's called uh percy's law i think but if you go and read that it's just unbelievable it's unbelievable they could get something like that passed and the problem was with my grandmother is they they assumed my grandmother didn't smoke for like 40 years. She smoked back in the day, but she didn't smoke for like 40 years. And they assumed that she had fluid in, before giving surgery to her, that she had fluid in her lungs because she was a smoker. Well, she hadn't smoked in 40 years. They should have never done the surgery because she had fluid in her lungs, which means she was probably a little sick. And the problem is when you have heart surgery, a lot of fluid builds up. Yeah. And basically my grandmother drowned like, cause she had so much fluid in her lungs. Like she never recovered. And that's the VA for you. Yeah, now, I know that's empirical evidence, but that's not the only story. You have no recourse against them. They employ they employ doctors that have been fired 10, 12 times for all kinds of misconduct. It's just absolutely horrid. No veteran so, say, likes the VA. Saying that people like the VA is is it is an insane amount of government propaganda. It's it's people dying on the streets and then walking around saying, I'm sorry to say, but it sounds like what you would see like from North Korea, something like that, where they're just walking around saying, oh yeah, everyone's everyone's happy. It reminds me of the movie, The Interview, where it's like, oh look, we got, see, we got fat kids on the right. street and the grocery stores have, look at these these plentiful grocery stores everywhere. Like it's, it's just a bunch of government propaganda walking around saying, oh yeah, people love the VA, that everyone's look happy with it. Any government run program, it's infinitely worse. <laughs> infinitely. It's simply a single payer insurance program, which means that you will have a card which has Medicare on it. You'll go to any doctor that you want. You'll go to any hospital that you want. And by the way, millions of people today are in networks which prevent them from doing this. So this gives you freedom of choice with regard to the doctors you go to or the hospitals you go to. But here is the main point when we talk about healthcare. Currently, right now, 
We've got 30 million people, zero health insurance, and many of you and tens of millions of Americans are underinsured with high deductibles and copayments. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So what happens is there are estimates. Don't forget all caused by the Affordable Care Act. Americans yeah. die every single year. Well, they use this stat a lot for 30 million people. They talk about all the people who have lost in, uh, have lost insurance since Trump took office, right? They, they, all these new people have dropped out, and they act like that's because of some kind of policy that Trump has enacted. What, what's actually happened is they've uh, decided that they're not going to penalize people for not having insurance anymore. So a lot of healthy people have decided to not have insurance. So this is something that a, a really big manipulator trickster like Bernie Sanders can say, look at all the, the number of uninsured has gone up under Trump. It's because they chose to be uninsured. It's it's not because of some new policy that pushed them off of it, other than Obamacare, which has drastically increased the pro- the prices of insurance, which yes. is pushing people off of insurance. Because the insurance companies wrote the damn law. Yeah. It's, they, um, like, it's ridiculous how people don't see this crap. Uh, because they don't go to the doctor when they should. All right. Meanwhile, we pay the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs. One out of five Americans are getting ripped off by the drug companies who make billions in profits while charging us the highest prices in the world. And I- we can we can kind of close on that because I know we get, we got to stop today. But that bringing up prescription drug prices when you have an, an FDA that is causing the price of prescription drugs to be so high because the average cost per drug was what? Two billion dollars, it's at least it's at least two billion dollars, and takes about ten years. Yeah, so it's a lot of time. Like, and time is money too. So, what's the value of ten years? Yeah, so. to a company to do the research and development and and comply with the thousands, if not millions, of regulations from an unelected bureaucratic agency like the FDA. So, just saying that uh, they're they're ripping you off and making billions in profit. Well, first off, they had to invest billions of dollars to be able to create that drug. Uh, you're welcome for them for them making that, that taking these amazing things that exist right now that didn't exist a hundred years ago, and giving us the ability to take a pill that can take away all of your ailments if 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 that exists right now. And then we're saying that the fact that they're making billions in profit is a is a bad deal. I would ask, like in a government-ran system, you know, all the people that are making the medicines and all of that, they're they're still going to be getting paid salaries from the government to do mm-hmm. that, right? Which is what comes from the the um, you know, the prices that we charge for our drugs. If you look at the billions in profits that drug companies make, I know I even took the uh, the guys who uh, the guy who runs HCA and uh, which is a is that Healthcare Corporation of America? Yes. Okay. Yep. So they own like. 200 hospitals, really, really big corporation. And they were talking about how uh, the fact that he makes so money, so much money every year and how this is raising the cost. Well, if you if you take out, uh, this is another one of those CEO salary kind of things. Mm-hmm. Like take the profit that they made and divide it out between every single person who was using their product. And you're talking about like $15 a year right. that, that they're making off of that. So well, and you got to stop talking about gross profit. Yeah, like who cares about gross profit because there's operating costs and everything like that. I think 
NHCA, you can, it's a public company. You can look at the numbers. They, I think it's like 40 billion in gross profit somewhere around there, but their net profit is like one to 2 billion. Yeah. That's it. The, the healthcare industry is one of the lowest profit margin industries that there is. Right. And so they're not even making 10% barely. Yeah. And so then they have to take that and they have to reinvest it and they have to like hospitals are expensive to build by the way. They are. And they're made more expensive by government regulations. Yes. But the other thing I want to talk about pharmaceutical companies real quick is, do you think that these American pharmaceutical companies are, are not global companies and they sell the drugs cheaper in other countries? How do you suppose they sell drugs cheaper in other countries? I'm not sure. Well, they uh, get them to market a lot faster and they don't have yeah. to pass all the regulations and spend all the billions of dollars just to try to sell it in America. That's why you see stories about medications that you can get in Canada that's not available in the U.S. yet, or medications right. that you can get from the U.K. that's not available in the U.S. yet. And everybody wants to talk about security and safety. Like, well, if it's not FDA approved, people could die. People still die with FDA approved medications and devices and food. Actually, it happens five, all the time. Five times more people than the amount of people that die from gun violence every yes. year die from FDA approved yeah. medications. If we're going to talk about banning guns, let's ban the FDA. Yeah. <laughs> like, because they're approving things that kill people. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's just un. I, I can't even talk about it. I get so mad. <laughs> Charlie, we work get... we work in the healthcare industry. Yes. So it's it's a uh, it's not as easy as he makes it sound. It's so whatsoever. frustrating. Even in Tennessee here, if you want to open a new medical facility, you have to get approval. You have to prove to the government that there is a need for you to do that. And they can actually, uh, your competition can take you to court over it to stop you from building it. Now, how is that a failure of the free market That's, at all? Ugh. My wife spent almost a year on a court case for HCA to be able to, to build one freestanding ED, one thing. Almost a year of her time was spent building a court case because their competition was fighting them in court, which is allowed by the government to stop them from building the building. That's not the free market. And how much money do you think was spent in that year? Oh, millions, At millions. At least a whole she, team of lawyers. Uh, yeah. she, she was her one whole of like team. A, she was one of a, hundreds of people that were working on that one thing. For a year. Yeah, just to be able to build a building. So yeah. when the building gets built, there's that much cost built into it just to start exactly. with. You have, to, you have to recoup all those costs. I have to uh, stop talking about this. Uh, hey, hey, Nate, I got to go. I know. I know. <laughs> get, out, get out of here. Get out of here. Hey, hope you guys have a good morning. Liberty. <laughs> Nate, finish it up for everybody. All right, man, I'll take it out. Charlie's uh, got to go jump on a work call real quick. So the the point of all of this is uh, we love going through Bernie Sanders stuff because uh, he makes it so easy because all he does is go out there and use a bunch of emotional talking points that when you hear them, you you have to think like, oh, yeah, man, that that is bad. That is bad, isn't it? I, we, we need to fix that. And this guy is offering a way that he says we'll fix that. The problem is, um, I doubt you would be able to name a government program that ever went the way that it was planned. Name me something that the government does a better job at than the private sector, other than dropping bombs on other countries. That's about it. So don't sit here and tell me that somehow the U.S. government's going to take over the payment system for the entire healthcare industry and it's going to get cheaper. That has never happened with a single thing that the government does, ever. It doesn't happen in education. 
It doesn't happen in our transportation system. It doesn't happen in any industry that they're involved in. It always gets more expensive. So someone out there trying to make the case that somehow once the government takes it over, it's going to get cheaper is completely absurd. So we wanted to do this leading up to the Democratic, uh, the Democratic primary debates. Uh, they're starting tonight on NBC. They're doing half of the field tonight and half of the field tomorrow. We'll be releasing some special episodes uh, from doing that. I think we're even going to go live during one of them and offer live commentary while it's going on. So you can go to our Facebook page and see that. That is uh, Good Morning Liberty. So you guys all have a good day, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs>